This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The share it with a friend deal. Even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Welcome to the Cottage Talk post-match show. I'm Russ Goldman, and joining me right now in the lower square is Jan Shanaeus in Canada. In Spain is Craig Coben. And in this episode, we're going to be looking back at Fulham's draw with Wigan. And uh, unfortunately, Fulham are now in the playoffs. So matter on how you feel about that, we'll be talking about that as well. But we have a lot to talk about in regards to this match. We've done a full-time show. But now we're going to break it down even more with our post-match show. So before we do anything else, I want to welcome Craig back to the show. Craig, it's been a long time. How are you doing, and how's life in Spain treating you? Life in Spain is very good, Russ. Thank you. And I'm very excited about talking to you about Fulham. Okay, excellent. Mr. Janaeus, how are you doing in Canada? How are things going? Good. It's nice and warm here. And uh, unfortunately, our uh, coronavirus case uh, in the province went up to 195 today from 193 yesterday. No, it's not. It's the young silly billies are out there partying, think they're, thinking they're invincible when okay. they're not. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry to hear that, my friend. All right. Let's get into the show, and I'll start with you, my friend. I know that you wanted to rant a little bit, so I'm going to give you your, your chance to rant with your opening thoughts on the draw for Fulham against Wigan. Well, I'm, I'm firstly, uh, commiserations to Wigan Athletic. I mean... Uh, the club, the fans, the players, and dreadful situation. My fingers are crossed that they win that appeal because the manner of what happened was, was ridiculous. I mean, from, to go from a mid-table team to get relegated, yep. if it doesn't go through, is disgusting. I want to congratulate West Brom. 
uh, on, on finishing okay. second. Barnsley on a brilliant end of the season. Um, Luton Town, remarkable ex- escape. Um, Schmoll, I won't say a lot about them. Um, but uh, my rant actually is to do... I was going to rant at Fulham fans, ranting at uh, Scotty Parker's Parker Ball. But okay. my rant is actually going to be for Neil Harris. Oh, okay, go ahead. But yeah, Neil. I've uh, read Neil some ha- things. Go ahead. Yes, yeah, and, and yeah, and it was. Uh, it became evident on Sunday, on Wednesday night. Um, I, I started surfing through the, the websites, and I went over yep. to one of the Nottingham Forest sites, and there was a. There's a beat reporter uh, at the City Ground, and uh, was at the game for the Stoke. And if you've seen the game, it was quite awful game for obviously Forest. Yep. And she was in a close to tears and devastated by what had happened. And you know, there's a time and a place for lording it over opposing teams and what have you. I know fans are going to do that and they call that banter. But I think managers are different because it's a much smaller world and you've got to be humble and stay classy. So Neil Harris decided um, after the game to do two things. Firstly, he was talking about the pressure being on Fulham for the semi-final because we yep. spent all this money. Yeah, usual PR rubbish. But the second one that I was, I was upset about was um, he, it was a reference to the Forest manager, Sabri Lamouche, um, Saying that at the start, the you know the you know post pandemic, he was going to be coach of the year and da da da, and they had Albert Adoma and they called him back from loan and da da da. Yep. And I thought that was really classless because you know what, um, you're a young manager, you did a good job at Millwall. Keep your mouth shut, like really. I mean, yep. if you don't get promoted, you, you've annoyed a lot of people. A lot of clubs will look at that and say, you know, owners will go, that's not the way you conduct yourself as a manager. Reflective sure. of the club, and I thought that was a really low blow. That was a colossal collapse for Forest. I mean, it's all gone wrong for them, and yep. they are a good side. But if you're going to say something like, like, just wait a few days, behave yourself, keep your gob shut, you know, sure. stay classy. And I and I thought that was just out of order. Um, and um, I'm surprised because I expected that from the former manager there, the other Neil, but I didn't expect it from this Neil. So sure. I was a little disappointed. So gives us all the more reason uh, to get ready for Monday night and uh, beat them. I thought Wigan were good, actually, Wednesday. I thought they played very well. And um, as I said, I keep my fingers crossed for them because uh, it's a dreadful situation. Okay. Opening thoughts on the match itself. Jordan, probably the fair result. I mean, they played well first half. They got the goal. Um and um, obviously, Scotty's lit a fire. I had a couple of issues with the lineup, but um, they were desperate. I mean, it, it isn't. This season has been all about moments. The two-one up down at the Valley, fifth minute of injury time, and then Charlton equalised. That was their two points. That was it. Um, and they blow it. And the manager's done a brilliant job getting ready for Wednesday night. Um, and I thought they played well enough, certainly to get the draw. They did have chances. Rody made a fantastic save in the second half. We came back second half, um, and I thought it was a tough and entertaining game. And they're always good games against Wigan. Uh, it's just I, I felt, you know, we weren't going to, we weren't obviously going to finish top two because West Brom, you know, drew with the, the ha-has. But... Um, I felt a bit of a pit in my stomach because of the Wigan situation. Because <clears throat> it's been a bad year for football. Yeah. Um, obviously, Barry went under. Bolton have gone down. Um, there's also Derby and Sheffield Wednesday. There's a lot of bitterness about that as well. And you don't ever want a season decided about um, on matters off the park. It should be on the park, and that. Sure. 
you know, what, what, what better. But it was a good game to watch, sure. Okay, excellent. Craig, over to you. Your opening thoughts, if you want to share what anything what Yana shared about Neil Harris, feel free to. And then also your opening thoughts on the match. Well, look, I, I'm not aware of what Neil Harris had to say. Um, I thought he acquitted himself quite well at Millwall when he was manager there. Yep. He lost a little bit of his mojo this season and decided to resign. He has an enormous amount of emotional attachment to that club. But I thought that he's actually been quite a successful manager in the championship. I can't speak to the remarks he says off the pitch. Uh, but he's proven to be actually quite a difficult opponent for a lot of championship clubs, including for ourselves. And um, he has enabled Millwall to outperform over the years, uh, and he's successfully guided Cardiff City into into the playoffs. Um, As far as the match goes, uh, first I want to repeat what was said about the Wigan relegation. Yeah. I think it's a scandal. I totally that agree with you. I'm glad that you're Wigan mentioning this. Had, There's something uh, wrong that this is happening to them. Um, the allegations, of course, are that the club was put into administration right. in order to win a bet in the Philippines that they would be relegated. And so I think going at, if that if there's any truth to that allegation, that suggestion, and you have to think it's fairly credible, yep. then it seems perverse to go ahead with the relegation. I think there needs to be an investigation into totally what right. happened. And I also think the EFL's system of vetting owners is not fit for purpose. Um, banks have to carry out background checks, yeah. called know, know your customer checks. Exactly. The EFL doesn't seem to want to do that because the owners want to sell to whoever shows up with some money and they want to be able to make it as easy as possible. And we have this ongoing saga with several clubs being sold to owners. You don't know where their money comes from. You don't know who they are. I think, by the way, at Fulham, we are very lucky to have a, yep. an owner who is a, a well-established, well-respected businessman. But that is not the case, especially in the championship. I won't name names. We know who they are. Okay. Uh, as yep. far as the game goes, yep. I think it was a pretty even game. Um, 1-1 was not an unfair result in no, the I end. Totally it was inconse- inconsequential, but I thought the result was fair, and I was actually pretty impressed with Wigan over the course of the game. I totally agree with that. I'm glad that you brought that up, Craig, because I thought they played well. They had they were the better side in the first half. We'll break this down. Second half, Fulham came into it a little bit more. Obviously, we got the goal from Cabano and looked like the better side for a good portion of it, but then... Wigan, near the end, I thought looked better as well. So they had their time, and they looked dangerous when they had the ball. So I want to give them credit because they had, they've had this resurgence since the return of football. So they deserve credit for that. And I think 1-1 is a fair result. I'm totally there with you. And, uh, Yanis, I, I want to go back to you. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on what Craig shared because you already brought this up about Wigan. I want to just talk about this a little bit more because I've been – in contact with a friend of mine that's a Darby County supporter. And um, there's also talk about Darby County and Sheffield Wednesday. And they could be in trouble as well. And um, here's just my thoughts on this. And I'm glad that Craig brought this up. And I don't want to talk about too much about uh, the point situation. But I'm, I'm at the point where I don't know if it's fair to be taking away points from a team. 
I think there are other ways to do this. And especially in the, in the case of Wigan, I don't think this is right for them, especially their supporters. I, I think this is very unfair on their supporters, Giannis. And I think the EFL needs to rethink how they do these things. I'm glad that, brought, that, uh, that Craig brought up all of the vetting process, but even the idea of taking points away, I think they need to relook at this. Yeah, the best second tier in the league, in, in the world, the second tier league in the world, arguably. And um, it's been a fantastic season, but it's also looked like a joke. You look at the three clubs that were in trouble, Berry going under, Bolton, uh, Wigan, yep. all uh, northwest, northwest clubs. Um, the Derby and, and Sheffield Wednesday find one I find actually more egregious. Okay. Because it's it's about the purchase of the stadium and how they did that, and, and especially with Derby County with the Rooney situation and how yep. they funded him coming over. Okay. A, a lot of a lot of nonsense going on about that, and with Wigan, when that when that uh, purchase went through, there's no way that the players and fans and, and and coaches and managers would have had any idea what was going on. Right. And to to start punishing to punish teams on the field for what goes on off the field do really def- defeats the purpose of the game. And I think they're in a, EFL are in a real pickle here because if they decide to do the right thing, which is to, you know, listen to the pill and decide to reverse the decision, that is going to have an impact on who's at the bottom and gets relegated. Right. And then the question becomes, will you have lawsuits because clubs will say, well, that's not fair. You've also got the Derby and Sheffield Wednesday thing. That's still to come through. You had a terrible situation down in, I think it was in League One, where Tranmere Rovers got relegated, even though they were two points behind, two points um, off the yep. relegation places with a game in hand, but because of points per game, they got relegated. You know, it, it, it just, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't taste right. No. And I think with Wigan... It's almost an excuse to target a small club. Bury were a small club. Bolton, not so much, but they were very famous in the time. Wigan, though, have won a, you know, an FA Cup in the last decade. And would they have done the same thing to a Leeds, Leeds United? Would right. they do the same thing to, oh, um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, West, maybe West Bromwich. I don't know. It, it, st- it stinks. And I... Well, to, to be uh, fair, to be very fair, though, Rangers had points deducted when they went into administration a few years back. Yep. It's a spot, Scottish Premiership, but obviously they're a massive club. Yep. I think the rule is, correctly or not, that if you go into administration, that means you've spent beyond your means. Right. You have points relegated. What The problem here is that the club was put into administration shortly after an ownership transfer that was authorized and cleared by the EFL. That's right. That's a good point. And, it is, and, and, and there is a very strong suggestion and there's a belief apparently by EFL management that there were bets placed in East Asia on relegation. So that's, that's why I think there needs to be a proper inquiry. It's not just that it is unfair to the fans. Of course it's unfair but it actually perverts the rules and right. it calls into question the, the ownership uh, vetting process of the EFL. And totally it goes agree. to the heart of this issue that the, we now have a lot of owners in the EFL. We don't know where their money comes from. It's not that they're foreign. They could be domestic 
owners. They could be British owners or English owners, right. but we don't know where their money comes from. And they are using these clubs for other means. And that is to me a complete um, perversion of really what the purpose of the league is. And Absolutely. that's why you have an EFL. It is to police like, precisely this sort of conduct. Right, Craig. And this goes back to your point. And I don't want to spend too much more time talking about this, but I feel bad for Wigan and their supporters. And you brought up a great point. If they did not vet the ownership correctly, and like you said, they have not investigated this situation, how can you then, again, take away points? I think they need to investigate more because if there was illegal activity going on, how can you do this to Wigan, if that makes any sense, Craig? Absolutely. I mean, I don't know what the remedies are now. I, I agree with Yanis that there is this other issue that the EFL does not want to be exposed to a lawsuit from, you know, an aggrieved club. Yes, I think that's also part of an exception. It. And we live in a world, you know, of lawyers, and 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 so they have to be mindful of it. But really, I think the EFL, whatever happens to Wigan, and I do sympathize with the fans there. And by the way, I thought Wigan were good. Um, I, I think the EFL needs to revamp its system of ownership vetting. Yep. And if that means changing the personnel at the top of the EFL, so be it. Because they are not fit for purpose on the basis of what we've seen. Yep, absolutely. Yep. I, I, just want, I just want to share this uh, comment, guys. This is from one of our Fulham supporters here. This is from Heather Bloomfield Lee. Agree completely. Point deduction is wrong approach. Settle financial matters off the park. And yep. this is kind of where I'm going on this, Giannis. Your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely agree. Heather's absolutely bang on the money. And actually, I think this and something I have to tell you that's made me nervous in the last several years is that is it's it's unrelated, but it could, it could, it can be related to Wigan. Is the number of sponsors that we have in the Premier League yep. and the the, the EFL that are betting companies. It's a good point. I'm wearing a shirt now, which was from the 20... It was the first year after we got relegated. So, okay, this is Marathon Bet. We've got Daffa Bet right now. Um, I have Marathon Bet club, on right yeah, now. So many of the clubs are um, sponsored by betting companies. Yep. And it just and it does make me nervous, that, and it has become... I think, what is it, like half the clubs in the Premier League are um, sponsored by betting companies that are based in Malta? You know, it, it's... Yep. You know, where you've got that that sort of system, you've always got the potential for something. We know yep. that in a number of sports, there's issues about spot betting, for example. And yep. this notion, you know, as Craig has talked about, if this is true, that this was all part of a bet, it yeah. makes it Jeez. even more egregious. And if you're the EFL and you've approved this, then if anything, you are more culpable. Totally agree, Giannis. You've approved the damn thing. And this goes back to Craig's point about the vetting process. Absolutely, it doesn't. It it, it is. It is. It's just. It really, really stinks, and it's, it does. It's a it shame. I, because, no, listen. I'm glad that we're, the, I'm glad we're talking about the game. It. Go ahead, Craig. Yeah, sorry. It goes to the integrity of the game. What's the point of the EFL if it isn't to preserve the integrity of the game? And and you know you make a very very powerful point about the role of betting companies as sponsors yep. there are advertisers all over the billboards the adver- advertisements are often in uh, east asian languages you have reports of spot bettors who are trying to 
uh, identify what happens and communicate them back before it actually is broadcast in another jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, this is just shows, this just shows how, you know, you, you have rot in the game from allowing uh, sports betting to play such a large role. And this is just the culmination of it. So yep. my own view is whatever happens to Wigan, the EFL needs to completely revamp its system for ownership. Yep. Um, and these stuff actually have proper processes. And if that means that these clubs are worth less because they can't be so easily sold onto another party, so be it. Totally Short-term pain, long-term benefit. Because if we start questioning the integrity of the game, then people will stop actually going to the game. It, it, it's a great point. That's why I'm glad we're talking about it. I know we are going to be talking about the actual match itself, but I think it's important that we talk about what happened to Wigan here. Because, again, we're lucky – Guys, we're lucky we have a strong ownership, and I know that there's always been criticism of any owner, but the cons have done a wonderful job with Fulham, and thankfully we're not in the situation of Wigan, but I don't think there's anything wrong with us talking about the result and what could potentially happen to Wigan because I've actually been thinking about it a great deal, so I'm glad that we are talking about it. But let's now move on. Let's now get into the match a little bit more. Craig, I want to go to you. And again, this is a 1-1 draw, so I'm trying to point my finger here because – Wigan gets the goal from more in the first half, and then early in the second half, you have the goal from Cabano. But in in your mind, what do you think was the turning point in this match? You know that the match turned. Was it again the approach of the second half for Fulham? Again, they didn't they didn't do enough to get all three points. But do you see any type of turning point in this match for Fulham? No, actually, sure, Cabano's <laughs> goal uh, was a turning point. I thought we gradually grew into the game in the second half. I think it's because we have superior players and perhaps better fitness, and we've seen that in other matches, especially okay. the more recent matches where we've come into it. I don't think there was a particularly decisive moment or substitution. I never really felt that we were all over or on top of Wigan. Wigan could easily have scored a winning goal. Absolutely. Several points late in the game. Um, what I would say about the game is it showed how much, again, we miss Harrison Reed. I've said that and on full time. he is our most important player. Uh, we play a very contained type of football, 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, it varies. Um, we have a pretty settled lineup. The only question is, you know, who, whom you start in the right back position. That's all going to be the only main selection question. Maybe you have a question in the midfield. Yep. But by and large, we have a pretty yep. settled side. But um, I, I think overall we have two issues. One is we don't, when we don't have Harrison Reed, we don't have the proper number six in place, which I think is important for the system that we play. And two is we are not very good at getting to the byline. When we had that chance early in the game, it was a cutback for Mitro. He, he squandered it. But we don't get to the byline enough to, within our system to make it work in the most optimal way possible. Okay, excellent. Giannis, over to you. Craig actually brought us to a good point. I know I talked about the turning point, but I mentioned this on full-time. How much did Fulham miss Harrison Reed? Uh, uh, I think immensely. I, I mean, he's uh, still some confusion about both yellow cards in the game against Sheffield Wednesday. Yep. Um, I think that if there was a turning point, it was probably a halftime, which we didn't see, because I'm th- I think that Scotty would have been irritated by the nature of the goal. Okay. One more. Uh, he'd still be a little bit pissed off about conceding three to Sheffield Wednesday and a half when they'd gone, what, five, seven and a half, eight hours without conceding. 
I'm, I think there was probably a little bit of hair dryer treatment at half time, and he said, "Look, wait, we can go at this lot. Um, if we score a goal now, they're going to be nervous because of the situation that they're in." Yep. I thought we came out with some bounce in, in the second half. Cabana scored a nice goal, um, but um, we did misread. We did misread, and, and one of the things about Reed is that we seem to move the ball quickly through the midfield. There's no turning, facing your net, going backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards, um, and um, Reed has been tremendous. The bad news looking forward for our club is he's a lone player. Yep. We want him to come back to the cottage, but, but Southampton, um, Hassan Hudel has noticed that he's playing really well. Of course. It means that if he, he could bring him back as a full-time player, or now I'm hearing that clubs like Barn, uh, Burnley are sniffing around for him, which means it's raised his valuation, which is yep. unfortunate. But we, Craig is right. We missed him. Um, totally right. I'm glad he's. I'm glad he's going to be back. At least he, the good news is he gets. He got a game of game break. You know, okay. and as it turns out, he's yeah. not going to hurt us too much. He'll be ready to go um, Monday night for sure. Okay, excellent. All right, guys. Before we break down both halves, let's talk about the starting eleven. Craig, I'll give you first shot at this. I want to get your thoughts. I just want to share this because I, I definitely want to talk about this during the show. Is that uh, not about the starting eleven? Who was on the bench? I think this is massive that Abubakar Kamara was on the bench and came on for 10 minutes. We t- we talked about on full-time that maybe he should have come on for 20 minutes. I think Scott Parker was managing his minutes, which is fine. So I want to get your thoughts on the starting 11, and also if you want to share your thoughts about the return of Kamara, uh, not Kamara, I'm sorry, Kamara, please feel free to, Craig. Look, the starting eleven was pretty was was not surprising. No Cavallero. You had Cabano on the on the on the left side up front. Um, it it didn't you know, and obviously we needed to make arrangements in the midfield because Reed was suspended. It didn't shock me there. What I would say is that Abubakar Kamara is one of the players who can draw out defenders who can push to the byline, who can create a surprise and open up space so we can get the crosses into Mitro, which is how we tend to score goals. Right. And that's why I do think, although I have been critical in the past of, about, of Kamara, although I don't think that he is technically a particularly good player, I do think he's an important piece of the puzzle totally as agree. we go into this um, this playoff run because we play in a very contained style. We don't risk very much going forward and we'll, because when we do risk, as we've seen, especially when Joe, when Joe Bryan advances forward, the teams are able to attack us very quickly uh, 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 you know, on the counter. But Abubakar Kamara up front, getting that byline, creating space, pushing other players off the ball, it, it creates a different sort of dynamic. He's not the best technically. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, trap the ball particularly well. He doesn't pass particularly well. But he is an impact player. And I think these playoff games are probably going to be low scoring. They're probably going to be fairly attritional. And he can be the difference coming off the bench. I totally agree. That's why I wanted to bring this up. And Giannis, I want to get your thoughts on the starting 11. But I do want to get your thoughts on the return of Bubakar Kamara. Craig, I thought, did a great job of breaking this down. It's not that he is uh, the world's best player because we know what he is, but it's what he offers. It's the value that he brings. 
that really opens things up for Fulham. Again, he is not this accomplished, you know, listen, you know what you're going to get. It's how he opens things up, not just for himself, but for others. He's extremely valuable for Fulham right now. I totally agree with Craig. I I, I don't want to understate that. I think getting Kamara back is massive. Your thoughts on the starting 11 and the return of Abubakar Kamara? Well, we had the fullback merry-go-round. Um, so my friend Denis Oudoir got another start, which is fine. <laughs> so Christie was on the bench, came off the bench, did all right. Um, the, mid- the midfield got me a little annoyed um, because uh, I would have started Dacre Dover. Really. He scored a really nice goal against Sheffield Wednesday, and we you know did. we've been wanting him to play, get a goal, and we know he works really, really hard, but he brought Kearney back in. And it didn't take a long to figure out that Kearney was back in the lineup because yep. uh, I thought in the first half, he used the word attritional. I thought moving forward, we were, we were attritional and pedestrian. Okay. Um, I thought um, no, an argument with Kearney, with um, Cabana. Um, and the thing about Kamara that I do like, and, and um, Craig is absolutely right, he's not, he's not going to be Messi or Ronaldinho, but the one thing that he gives fits for left-backs is he's direct. And he's big and he's strong. Power and, and pace. He's a yeah, power and pace. And he's not going to knock out has played well in recent games, yeah. uh, especially tracking back. But it is rather irritating seeing him try to beat the same player six times in a row. <laughs> Whereas AK-47 will have a go at them. And, yep. you're, and you're right. I think it's, it's, a, it's a piece of the puzzle. I think one of the – I'm still scratching my head about this. The, it took three and a half years for Cabana to score a goal. And now he scored three and two. It's crazy. And all three goals have been superb. And now yeah. he's become, a, he's going to be a problem for Cardiff because now yeah. you can't just say, well, we're going to keep an eye on Mitro and, and maybe Knockout can do something. They could, or he could do something. And now you've got Cabana. So now you've got, you've got another weapon there. Um, so I was really pleased for him. But uh, it was nice to see Kim, uh, Kim, AK back um, because he's been out for so long. And, we, and, and you're right, we do need him. Yeah. Listen, I see his value, and I'm glad that Craig brought this up because I'm not going to be one to tell you that he's this uh, incredible player. I just see the value that he brings Fulham, and I think he's going to wreak havoc on potentially Cardiff, and let's just hope that it goes beyond that because I see what he can do. Even in a short period of time, I thought he was effective. And like I said, it's not just about what he does. It's about how he affects other other players. I think that's massive, and he I think he scares the hell out of the opponent. Like you said, his directness, Yana. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Okay. Coming up, we're going to look at the first half. We're going to review it. Then we'll review the second half, and we'll end with Man of the Match. The share it with a friend deal, even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. All right, guys, let's get into our first half review. And uh, I'll just start by saying that I thought that Wigan were the better side. You know, Fulham had their moments. You know, you do have some some shots. You, you have a shot by Caban in the 15th, 15th minute, the 20th minute. You know, there, there's a little controversy with Mitro. Was he taken down? We, 
certainly, uh, if you feel that it was, we can certainly get your uh, feedback on that. And then um, in the 28th minute, you have the situation with Kiefer Moore, who was offside. But then you have this goal in the 32nd minute. I want to stop here, Craig. And um, I want to get your thoughts on Fulham giving up this goal from Kiefer Moore or Header. And they go ahead 1-0. I thought this was deserved for Wigan. I hate to put it that way, but I think it was. Well, there were two pretty basic problems on that goal for Fulham. First is the cross was way too easy. He had way too much space. And second, you you know, you had Denis Odois trying to defend a header and the guy, you know, he was just out jumped. And Denis Odois, he jumps pretty high, but he was not going to out jump somebody not that who guy. is a lot taller than he is. Yeah. And to me it was a pretty basic defensive error. Yet again, across from the right side, that has been our perennial defensive weakness. And it's because when we have our left back venturing forward, yep. um, we need to make sure that there is coverage there, adequate coverage, because the immediate instinct of the teams we play against, and we saw this starting at the Leeds game, is as soon as the Leeds would get the ball, they'd put the ball where Joe Bryan was supposed to be. They didn't even think twice. That's what they do. And every team has followed suit. So we need to make sure that we are on top of it. If Joe Bryan or whoever is at left back ventures forward, Yep. We need to make sure we have coverage there because otherwise there's too much space and it's too easy of a cross. Okay, very good point. Giannis, I'll go to you in a second. I just want to mention a couple of other moments. In the 35th minute, you have a shot by Josh Anima that goes wide. In the 43rd minute, you have Arda's shot that goes over. And the half ends with Fulham down 1-0. But I would just want to get your overall assessment of what Craig said about the goal from Kiefer Moore and overall view of the first half for Fulham. Well, as soon as Craig talked about the Leeds game, I, I thought, of, I mean, the first goal was Patrick Bamford. And it was a break and, and um, it came from the left and Brian was way out of position. And it was, you know, Bamford, I know it does get a lot of stick from fans, um, but he put, put it away. And um, it's, it's going to be a headache uh, for, for Monday night. I think it's good that the first leg is in South Wales. But he's got to, Scotty's got to look at the left back situation. Does he put a door? Sorry, Edouard. Start with Edouard. We'll just Edouard. go with Edouard. Yeah, we'll have the French like Maxime Le Marchand. <laughs> um, if, if he starts with uh, Edouard, you've got, you got good defensive coverage because Edouard yeah. won't push too far. And I think for the first leg, I think that's what we need to do. And then if there's an issue where we need to start creating more attacking options out wide on the left, sure. then he brings Brian on later in the second half when he has to do that. Because there have been too many of these goals. It's been too easy. Um, the Brent, the first game against goal against Brentford again. Problem comes in too much space. Shouldn't have gone in late. Eighty-eight minutes gone. <clears throat> um, it, 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 it's there's something that's bugging me. As I mean, I said to you before, Russ, about the rotational piece yeah. about um, the fullback thing. I think this is where now Scotty. Somebody put a poll up on Twitter. Does Scotty know his strongest lineup? I don't know we're if about, he does, Giannis, because, find, because I think out. he just mixes and matches for the opponent or just on that day where he feels he's got the best matchup that he wants. With But no, I don't think there's a consistency about it, if that's what you're talking about. No, and that's where now he's going to have to do some real thinking. I mean, we're on the road. I think it's an advantage being on the road first game. But I think we need to keep it nice and tight. The pressure's going to be on them. And um, we want to keep it, go back to, you know, that long run of how many, seven, eight hours 
without conceding a goal. And, okay. uh, and that's, I think the first objective is clean, keep a clean sheet for Monday night. And he's got to have the right fullbacks in place. And I would not start Brian. I would start Odoir at left okay. back just to keep things tight. Okay. Craig, your thoughts? Well, I don't know if it's an advantage or not to be playing first in South Wales because there won't be any fans in the, in the, in the stadium. And the, uh, I don't think the championship playoffs have the away, game, away goals rules. So I'm pretty relaxed about uh, that one way or the other. Um, what, what I would say is I, 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 think, I think the side is actually relatively settled. I do think you have a question over left back yep. and what you do. And I think Yanis makes a pretty powerful point yep. that you put somebody as versatile as Denis Odois there and you put Christie on the right side or, or do you put Odois his natural right side and you put Joe Bryan on the left. And I think that's a little bit of how bold um, Scott Parker wants to be Scott Parker has proven to be a fairly conservative manager. Um, Absolutely. Quite a contrast with the Slavisa for example, Um, uh, possession oriented, but possession almost as a defensive tactic. Yep. Totally agree Um, with that. I, I don't know what the decision is going to be there. I think in the midfield, it's sort of an interesting question yep. as well. Do you, do you go with Kearney? Do you go with Arter? I do think that Harrison Reed and Josh Onama are probably uh, firm picks. And I think Onama has been somebody who has improved beyond recognition Absolutely. over the course of the season and is arguably now, uh, I mean, he's one of our best players. Um, up front, I, you know, I think we've we've rotated around a little bit. Um, I'm still not totally convinced of having your left-footed player on the right and the right-footed player on yep. the left because I do think it means that we lack width. And if we could get people forward, we could create some real space. But I think that bridge is already crossed, and I think the players are accustomed to it. I've yeah. been a bit disappointed with the players up front and the service that Mitrovic has been given. Um, I don't. Th- I think there has been a lack of clinical edge. Um, and I'm including Bobby Decker, Dova Reed. I'm including uh, Anthony Knockhart. None of them have really stood out for me. Cavalero. They've been inconsistent. They've had their moments. Cavalero. They've had their moments, but they've been actually quite inconsistent. Totally agree with uh, that. Over the, course of the, over the course of the season and even over the course of these last six games. So Scotty Parker does have some challenges within, within his, for his selection. But what I would say is that the overall setup, we kind of know the way it is. On the other hand, so does Neil Harris. <laughs> it's a good point. And Craig, it goes back to a very early show during the season. I remember you saying this to me, and it has stuck with me. When you talked about Cavallero and also Knockhart, you said these are counterattacking players. We don't play that way. And how is he able to get the most out of them? And again, this is something that we've talked a lot, a lot on Cottage Talk. Even Giannis and I talked recently about this. Do you build the system for the system itself, or do you build it around the players? Do you try to play to a player's strength, or do you just go with your system? It sounds like to me, it feels like to me, that Parker's gone with his system and the players have to play in it. So what is your view on that? Do you think that he should have he should be trying to focus more on the player's strengths, or this is his system and we're just going to go with it? 
Well, at this juncture, he, we have to go with the system that we've been playing. And he has adapted the system. We do fewer passes. A little, than he before. has. We, we are doing longer passes. We're trying to mix it up. I do think he has tried to adapt it to the circumstances. We're not passing out of the back in a dangerous way that we have been doing yep. uh, uh, earlier in the season. Um, these, you know, again, it, seem, it seems to me that we play a system. He's taken the Jokanovic 4-3-3, put in a lot more, you know, horizontal passing, a lot less adventurism, and the occasional long, long ball to keep it a little bit fresh. It's not the easiest system on the eye. Yeah. But you can't deny the results. The results have been pretty no, you solid. Can't. We have good players. Maybe it's underperformed versus the, the, the team that we have, but not by a lot. We finished fourth. That's yeah. a pretty good outcome. And we beat the teams that we were better than, right. uh, especially as the season progressed after dropping right. some easy points early on. Right. And, Craig, what's interesting, I can't remember who brought this up, that potentially Parker's trapped within two systems, his own, the way he was as, say, a player, and the Jokanovic system. It's like he's in between both, and he's trying to marry the two, and that's why we kind of have that disjointed feel to it. But because he's not as adventurous, I'm glad that you brought that up. It still is a similar system, but it's just more conservative. I, I think that's the best way to put it. All right, guys, let's now move on to the second half, and here's our second half review. We're going to start with the goal from Cabano, and uh, Giannis, I'll go to you. I want to get your thoughts on the goal from Niskins Cabano like we've been talking about. He's scoring these fantastic goals, so I want to get your thoughts on the goal. This is early on in the second half in the 49th minute. When I first saw the free kick, I thought, okay, where was Marshall's positioning on it? But then when you watch it again, the way it went over and over and down and it bent a little bit, it was a cracking free kick. So this is a kid who has obviously been on the training ground practicing. The, the, the free kick against Sheffield Wednesday I thought was sublime because it, was, it, it wasn't obvious. Just sm- smash it or place it underneath the wall. And this one was, a, you know, over and down. It was, um, it, was, it was a very good goal. And his confidence, you can see right now, is sky high. Yeah. What money would you have put in the first day of post-pandemic that we'd probably <laughs> be talking about Cabano as a starter for the play- playoffs? Because he wouldn't, he couldn't bring Caballero back. No. Cabano's scoring, he's creating, and he gives us lots of energy. And he, he doesn't slow the game down. So no, he it, was a, it was a lovely goal. I mean, it's, it's one of yep. those where you just go, you know, hats off. And yep. um, at that point, I thought we were going to go on and win it. But it was, it was, it was, it was, it was to and fro. And, and um, it was a really unusual game, to be honest. But it was. I said something earlier about Wigan. I mean, they, 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 hats off to them. Absolutely. You know, the, the, yeah. Can you imagine if they they've been it? great since the restart? And they've actually listen. They impressed me because they took it to fall the entire match. Yeah, they did. They didn't back off. Yeah, they were good. They were good. Mm. They were good. No, no complaints. No, I can't um, complain about no, what they gave all. for effort because yeah, they. they okay, guys. I want to share this. This is from our friend Chris Davidson, also in Spain, Greg. And I want to get your thoughts on it. Was it a foul on Cabano? I'm not convinced, and would have been disappointed if it was against us. What are your thoughts? I would have to see the replay again. I okay. It was soft. It was soft. It was soft. Yeah. <laughs> but we've but, had enough uh, of those against us this year. You know, yeah. it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a war crime. 
either. Okay, okay. Giannis, Maybe. your thoughts? Cabana's got quick feet, and we've had enough of those decisions go against us this year. Um, I think there's been a level of inconsistency in the refereeing this year. And I, uh, I actually agree. I think it, it was... Um, it's one where Scotty, if it had been on the other foot, he'd have gone. That's a bit silly. It's a bit, but we've seen so many of them. That it's, I know. It's weird stuff. I know, but I think it's a fair point by Chris because Chris looks yeah, at both uh, sides yeah, to bring yeah. that up. Yeah, it was a sure. fair. It's a very fair point. Okay, excellent. All right, guys, let's now get into talking about the rest of the second half. I just want to just get your overall assessment of it. After that, you actually have an opportunity from Narkar in the fifty-second minute. In the 56th minute, you do have a shot by Cabano that goes wide. And then in the 58th minute, you have a shot by Josh Anima. And in the 59th minute, you have a, a great save. And we have to talk about this great save from Marek Rodak. Uh, Marek oh, Rodak, yeah. full. I think we have to talk about that. Later on, you have a shot by Brian, which, again, goes wide. Not a, not a great opportunity. I believe also Bobby Deckard Overeen had an opportunity as well. So I'll go to both of you just to give your assessment after the goal for Fulham, how Fulham played, and how Wigan reacted as well. Craig, I'll go to you. Which is to get, I want to get your overall assessment on the second half for both sides. Well, look, as, as the half progressed, I thought both teams started to show a fair amount of fatigue, and there ended up being actually quite a lot of space for both teams. And it did feel that both teams could score, especially you know after Fulham equalized. I thought either team could, could, could come up with a winner. In fact, what's surprising is that none of them did, probably because neither team was sufficiently clinical in their passing and their approach work in order to break, uh, to break the deadlock. But it did feel to me that fatigue was setting in. People were gaining some space. Um, I wouldn't say that it was particularly beautiful football. It was fairly direct yeah. by both sides. Um, the chances were fairly conventional, but there was space. There was opportunity. Um, I, that said, the, the only shot that really I thought there was going to be the goal was the one that was saved by Rodak. And I think yep. we have to recognize that one of the reasons that we are in the playoffs oh, it's Rodak. is because of Rodak, because of, because Rodak Hands replacing Bettinelli. I would say the Rodak and the addition of Michael Hector probably – were the most important developments this season for Fulham. Totally agree. Giannis, I want to get your thoughts on the second half assessment, but I'm glad that Craig really was focusing on Marek Rodak. We've talked about him a great deal. If you put Marcus Bednelli, and again, nothing against Marcus Bednelli, he might have saved that too, and he's done well for Fulham as well, but I think it's been a different level with Marek Rodak, and I'm glad that Craig also brought up the addition of Hector because I think – if you put the two of them together, because we're talking about going into the playoffs, and one of the reasons why I feel confident, Craig just n- nailed two of them, is Rodak as your goalkeeper and your defense. Yes, Tim Ream has, has made some mistakes. We've talked about this. The fullbacks, again, have made mistakes. But you got Michael Hector back there, and they are not leaking that many goals. They are tough to score against. Let's just be honest. The numbers don't lie here. So... When you look at this and what Craig had said, I, th- you know, fatigue definitely played a factor, but it could have gone either way. It, they didn't do enough to win. But what are, what are your thoughts about the second half for Fulham? I'd like to give some credit to uh, Marcus's dad, the uh, goalie coach, because 
you could tell that after the first goal, the penalty on Saturday at the cottage against Wednesday, he was very, very upset, uh, Rodak. Yes, and um, totally. Something that can never be underestimated is, is the period of time between games and whether it's individual or team and how you get them ready. And, I, and I'm going to use Brentford as a good example. The most important game for them was obviously a game against Barnsley. But after their defeat previous, they had, they'd had the chance to go second and they blew it. And yeah. psychologically, he had to, Thomas Frank had to try and get them ready. In the same vein, Rodak was clearly bothered by that penalty. Yeah. And it reflected for the rest of the game. So between the Wednesday game and the Wigan game, um, the goalie coach would have had to sit him down and say, look, you know, it was done, it's over. You, in a game, you don't have the time or space to dwell on poor decisions or, or from you or from the ref or from your teammates or whatever. And I thought Rodak deserves a lot of credit and, and the goalie coach because he came back and he didn't miss a beat. And... Um, it, it, the thing about playoffs is, is, is everything is, is out of the window. It, it, it's all about right. momentum. And um, I, I was, that, that was a superb save. It looked, to all intents and purposes, it was going to be 2-1. Absolutely. And like, can, we, can we come back a second time? Yeah, I thought we can come back a second time. Um, but I thought that, um, again, it's a reminder about how good Rody has been this year. And um, I feel fairly safe having him as a, our goalie going into the playoffs. And um, I think he's going he's, he's to be ready for Monday night. Okay, excellent. And, uh, again, we, we've already talked about Kamara, but I just want to reiterate one more time. The fact that he came on for the last 10 minutes I think is key. And I think mm-hmm. we're going to see some good results from Fulham having him back in the fold. And, Giannis, and, you and I have talked about we still don't know exactly what was wrong with him. Okay, the club has never came out and told us what was wrong with Abubakar Kamara. I'm going to put that aside right now. I'm just glad that he's back with us and that he's able to play. And for a ten minutes, yeah. no rumors of like a repeat of what happened last season, at least. <laughs> <laughs> but what's key for me, guys, is that he's back, and I want to focus on the fact that he's back. And I think he's going to make an impact, like Craig said at the beginning of the show. I I don't think we can underestimate the fact that he's back. I also want to mention the fact that that Kearney is back in the fold too. And whether you feel strongly, positively or negatively on Kearney, you can't deny his impact for Fulman. I think he'll be involved heavily uh, with Fulman in the playoffs. And he is the Fulman captain. I just want to mention that, not just about the return of Abubakar Kamara, but also Kearney coming back to start, I think, was, uh, was uh, important as well. And we really haven't touched on that. Okay. Guys, who's your man of the match? Giannis? Cabana. Um, Cabana? Cabana was very good again. He scored the goal. And uh, as I said, I'm delighted he's doing it, playing the way he is. And he gives us an extra option now. And he gives Scotty uh, um, a selection headache. Um, we don't know when Cavio is going to be back. I've not seen the, the, the pregame for, for Monday. And I'm pleased for him because he's a, obviously a great lad off the field as well. And he's liked and respected by his teammates. And uh, he put in a really good shift. And at the end of the day, Cardiff is going to be a difficult semi, but we can't afford to have passengers. And I think Cabano brought a lot of energy to the table and he scored a nice goal, which means he's now a different dimension and a different option in terms of set pieces, which I think is great. Um, so for me, it'll be, uh, it'll be Naiskins. Okay. Craig? Um, for me, it's also going to be Naiskins Cabano. Scored the goal, showed some trickery on the left side, was probably our most creative player over the course of the match. Okay, excellent. Um, yeah. 
Okay, I'm going to share this from our co-host, Mr. Steve Lidier. How Rodak didn't get made in the match is beyond me. Take nothing away from Cabano. Craig, your thoughts on that? Because, again, we're talking about the importance of that save and just his, his presence. It's a fair it's a fair argument. I guess because Rodak has won man of the match so many other times. Giannis? We'll give him number two. Because that was a spectacular <laughs> save. Um, <sighs> but um, it was Cabana brought us back into the, the game. Yep. And um, but uh, I still stick with the Naiskins. Okay, excellent. All right, guys. Let's end the show with talking about Cardiff City. Okay, I want both your thoughts on Cardiff City. We're going to be doing a preview show, and but I still want to talk about it with both of you. So, Craig, I'm going to give you your your thoughts on Cardiff heading into this. I thought Fulham played very well against them just a little while ago. I don't know if that means anything or if we just throw it out the window. So what are your thoughts on Cardiff City heading into the playoffs? I think it's going to be a tough game. I don't think they played particularly well against Fulham when, in the last game. But they're going to be a well-organized side, probably lining up in a 4-4-2. They're going to be difficult to break down. Um, and I think it will be a low-scoring game. If we make mistakes, we will pay for them. I totally agree um, with that. That said, actually, paradoxically, um, I think Parker Bowl may be a pretty suitable approach. It won't be that easy on the eye for a neutral. But uh, I feel on balance we have the better players, we have the better team, but it is going to be a close-run thing. I totally agree with that. And, Giannis, I want to get your thoughts, but I'm glad that Craig brought this up because I've had this argument many times with Fulham supporters that said, well, Fulham aren't built for the playoffs. I totally disagree. And whether you like it or not, not pleasing in the eyes, like Craig said, Parker Ball, right? I think it's going to play well in the playoffs because we're going to be tough to beat. So your thoughts on Cardiff, because Cardiff are tough to beat as well. This is going to be an interesting matchup. Yeah, I, I mean, they're a blue-collar side. They're going to have a, a chip in their shoulder. Um, they're going to, Neil Harris is probably going to remind them, look, there's a possibility we could have an all-Wales player final. <laughs> I, think it's abs- I think the critical piece will be done before the game, and that's the lineup. Uh, and uh, the, when we played them at, car, uh, uh, at the college a couple of weeks ago, our central midfield three were Reed, Onama, Anata. And for me, that has to be the starting three on Monday night. I, I, I think I, I, we, we, in fact, I'm going to say this. Okay. If we start Kearney, we don't beat them. I, I, now we're I talking in the first leg, right? We're just talking on Monday. Yeah, I, I, I just I, because again, as I said earlier in the show, the first twenty minutes of the game against Wigan, you knew he was on the pitch because it, it was slower. Um, Arnold has played very, very well. We obviously miss Harrison Reed, but but let's not give let's let's give some credence to Harry Hart as well. He scored a couple of goals. He works very, very hard. You know he'll be fired up for this, and. Um, against Cardiff, oh, second half, we absolutely bloody roasted them. And not only that, let's not forget, let's look back to that second goal we scored at the Cottage, which yep. was a superb inter, inter, interlinking between Steph, Joe, and Onoma. You know, to me, uh, I would have, um, I would have those three, I'd have Steph, Joe would be the first one off the bench. In Before Kearney? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I would, and the, another issue that Scott is going to have to look at is, the, is Bobby Dacre Dover-Reed. 
because um, Dekadova really gives you a lot of energy. The man, he doesn't quit. And it was funny, I thought he'd start against Wigan because he scored a goal. He re, we, we know he needed the goal. And he's, you know, he's not to be underestimated. I think no, I thought, Listen, I'm a, I'm a fan of Bobby Dekadova Reed. He might not have scored the amount of goals that I thought he would, but I see his value starting. I, I do see his value. So I see where you're going on that. Craig, I want to go to you because I want to get your thoughts. This is going to be a controversial part of the show because the midfield three is controversial. Talking about Kearney not starting will, again, set people off. They're going to be people that are pro-Kearney, anti-Kearney. I'm just going to say I understand where Giannis is going on this with the midfield three, but there is an argument to have Kearney play because of the skill that he offers. What would be your midfield three against Cardiff City in the first leg? I hate to disagree with Giannis, but my midfield three would be Reed, Onamo, and Kearney. I think uh, Kearney provides the possession that you're going to need in a, in, a, in a contest like this. He also has the experience in these big games. I don't trust Arter's temperament and his judgment at times. I'm not going to disagree with that, Giannis. And Craig brings up a good point. And I, listen, I know how you feel about this, but Arter's a wild card. I think you need someone that actually is going to have a cool head, especially in a playoff situation. He does scare me with, with his fiery persona, and he does make reckless decisions. So I understand where Craig's going. He's also thinking about a, more of a creative situation. I see Kearney's value. I understand what you're talking about. You're looking at the first time they played, and you see the value of how those three played together. I, I get that. But I see where Craig's coming on that. Do you see where I'm coming on the wild card that Harry Archer can be? Well, if he starts Kearney, if he starts, if Scotty starts Kearney, I would have a chat with him on, it's Friday today, Sunday. And I would say, um, you're the captain, but you're not playing like a captain. Um, you, this is where, this is the meat and potatoes of the season now. This is where it all needs to come into fruition. I would be blunt enough to tell him that, that I'm going to give him the, if you're going to do it, I'd say I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Yep. A lot of people are not going to agree with me. They're going to think it's an odd decision that Harry probably should be in a. So, so, so then you've got to prove to me that I've made the right decision because somebody is going to be unlucky. And if it's Harry Arter, yep. I think he's pretty hard done by. He is, he is I mean, there is a, his, a bit of history between him and Cardiff City as well. Oh, of um, course there is. But Arter, um, Arter will chase for every bloody ball, he will track back. Um, he, I mean, he's so workmanlike. And, and as I said, the triumvirate, I thought, worked really, really well. It did. And it, it, it's a fair point. It actually really did. And that's, and that's the thing. It, it's not just about Kearney in the lineup. Is the, the suitability of Kearney playing with Reed, who is our best player right now, and with yes. Onoma. Onoma and Reed are very quick to distribute. I think, the I think we're in agreement that Reed and Onoma pick themselves, right, guys? Yes, so they, they do. They, they picked themselves. It's really that third choice. Yeah, I, I, I uh, it's a tough one for me. It, I, okay. I just, but um, maybe if he has a good game, we'll retire his number. <laughs> okay. Do what Birmingham City did with. I thought that was ridiculous. Okay, <laughs> I think that is utterly ridiculous. Never, Craig, it's terrible. Craig, did you terrible. see this? With Jude Bellingham, did you did you hear about this? 
What, the retiring of his number? Yeah, I've seen yes. That, yeah. It's astonishing. It's <laughs> Whatever. astonishing. They, have, they, don't, they don't have very much to celebrate in Birmingham anyway. So. <laughs> well, that's Birmingham a Birmingham City. Uh, Birmingham maybe City, Birmingham, yeah. the, the city, maybe, but not in Birmingham City. Okay, okay. Good stuff, guys. This has been a great show. All right, let's, uh, let's wrap this up with final thoughts. Craig, to you first. I think we have a good chance of, of making it through the playoffs. I think we can pull a Huddersfield here. We play – we're tough to beat. We're not, we're not a, a great side to watch. We aren't particularly clinical, but we are tough to beat. Okay. Over to you, Giannis, and then we're going to wrap this up. Scotty, I'm a big proponent of you. I defend you to the hilt. Get this lineup right on Monday night. Get it right, whatever you do. Get, get Denny on the left. Um, and I, I think I agree with Craig. I think we're well equipped to do this. Um, we're better side than Cardi. We're better. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're, better. Okay. we're definitely yeah. better. Yeah, we're better than that. Yeah. Okay. Guys, great show. Thank you both for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you're watching live, thank every. I want to thank everyone for uh, watching us live on my Twitter account, Russ underscore Goldman, and on the Cottersock Facebook page. This will also be a podcast. We do need to wrap this up, though. For my co-host, Craig Coben and Yashinaeus, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. For Fulham fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats, and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free COY Whites app now from the App Store and Google Play. It's the 90th minute. And all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping. And you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants. 18 plus. Serving times. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.